Oh, hey, y'all. Welcome to a Matter of Fat Mini. It's another fun mini-sode. It's another fun mini-sode from a body-positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. We talk about a lot of different aspects of fat liberation on the pod, and in our full episodes, we have guests share their stories as a matter of fat. We also share some of our experiences, which is what we're up to today. We're using this Matter of Fat Mini to share ways our lives are better because we're fat. You heard that, right? Like, what a wild concept. It is a rare occasion where people talk favorably about being fat, but of course we're here for it. Uh, Before we get into the good stuff, we should probably introduce ourselves. It's the polite thing to do. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist and shop owner. And I'm Soraya Bogani, a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial. And we're here to blow your minds with a hot take as a a matter matter of fat. fat. So in the interview episodes of Matter of Fat, we talk with guests about their stories as, you guessed it, a matter of fat. This often includes them sharing their memories of when they realized they were, in fact, fat. Or plus size, or curvy, or chubby, or however they choose to identify. And here's the thing. Anyone living in a fatphobic society, um, so all of us, <laughs> has a story as a matter of fat. Exactly. And I would say that many of our guests have realized their fatness during their childhood or adolescent years. It's also usually an external factor like bullying or differential treatment that has them realize that they're not the same as everyone because of their body size. This tends to set the tone and enforce how we think of being fat that it's shameful, repulsive, an indicator of not belonging, and requires external policing. This narrative is prolific and horrific. Sure is. It's ugly to think that we just accept the bullying or judgments placed upon us to the extent that some people never really see beyond that. So we're using this Matter of Fat Mini to share a recent discussion that Soraya and I had about how our lives are actually better because we're fat. And of course, this is just one aspect of our stories as a matter of fat. If you're interested in our full stories, as well as like background and how Soraya and I know each other, we share all about that in our very first episode. Yeah, it's been a while since we recorded that. And uh, I'll be honest, my story as a matter of fat has changed since then, mostly because I feel comfortable I'm saying fat (laughs) and I'm fat. And acknowledging that reality opened my eyes to so many other facets of being fat and how they've actually made my life better. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right. So just so y'all know, this is not a BuzzFeed listicle. Okay, but I wish it was. I love a listicle. (laughs) No, BuzzFeed is trash. Like what's one item sold exclusively at Amazon and Walmart that will make your life infinitely better? No, get out of here. Okay, those are gross, but you know, like, I love a good, like, top 10 list of anything or a BuzzFeed Frasier trivia roundup. Um, yep, those do exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, a listicle is effective, I won't deny it, but we're your friends in the podcast business, so let's just talk about it instead. Okay. Uh, I'll start us out. Okay. The first reason that being fat has made my life better is because my relationships at work and with friends and family are stronger because people who don't want to associate with me because of my size will tell on themselves. Yes. If your fat phobia shows, I can better assess how to have a conversation about it or decide that we don't have to be close like that. 
It's not worth it. Yeah. People's fatphobic comments show us who they are. And to your point, like sometimes if there's a shared history or shared values or redeemable qualities that outweigh their fatphobic words or actions, it can be worth a conversation, like kind of the educational investment. Mm -hmm. Okay. But other times it's just a sign to run for the hills. She's running, folks. I am. I mean, yeah. Like sometimes (laughs) that's my plan. I think in those moments, I often relish the power in surprising or scandalizing others too, like making them uncomfortable by taking away the insult that is being fat. I think some people roll with it really well and like some just cannot comprehend (laughs) it. Um, And I hope that it creates a moment of dissonance for them to start questioning more about how they feel about fatness. I love that. And I mean, this is bold, but I'm going to be bold. One could say that like our whole fat lives are actively creating moments, those moments of dissonance for people who are kind of stuck with that worldview. Mm, Yes, ma'am. That's true. That's true. Especially where we're at with our fatness right now anyways. Um, Okay. What else did we talk about? Tell the people. Oh, okay. So one of the largest impacts I think my fatness has on me is like it's allowed me to better see and understand systems of oppression. Ooh, yes. Say more. Living in a fat body has helped me understand what it feels like for people to hold strong stereotypes about you simply for showing up in a certain way. Being fat is just one of many identities, of course. Um, many identities that can be marginalized, but like seeing firsthand what that looks like for me and other fat folks has allowed me to more easily accept that systems of oppression exist and believe others when they share that they've been stereotyped or have experienced oppression in any form. And, you know, I think being fat has just generally pushed me to be more critical of systems and like what's going on around me. Yes. Critical thinking and development. I love it for us. I love it for everyone. We could all use a little bit more. That's the truth. Right? So after I learned about other systems of oppression, I could finally see how fat phobia interlocks beautifully in othering. So like an example in Layla Saad's White Supremacy and Me, she notes that like once you know about active oppression, you can't really unsee it. Once you know what it looks like, once you understand why it exists, can't ignore it because you see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how it worked for me. Now that I know what racial, gender, sexual, and disability oppressions look like, I, you know, how could I not see the hallmark of fat phobic oppression all over my body in my life? You just can't not. Yeah. And like learning more about how these systems operate allow us to see how they intersect. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, okay. So focusing on body size and presentation, it's like a systemic opiate of the masses. Like what are the things people should hyper-focus on so they don't realize what else is going on above their heads? Oh, Yeah. I also think that being fat has made me more critical of the capitalist systems that tell us to change our bodies, you know, like the health and beauty industry and the diet and weight loss industry. I mean, at the end of the day, they're just like really happy to take our money with very little regard for the damage they're doing. I think for me, being unapologetically fat has encouraged me to be more like blatantly critical of those systems. Yeah, yeah. I'll say systemic oppression and anti-human capitalist systems are decidedly not chill or cute. Um, nope. <laughs> nope, not not the vibe. However, being fat allows me to live more fully in the moment and be more chill. Oh, let's talk more about that. Okay. So instead of waiting for a future season where, you know, that outfit will look great or finally fit or I'll look so good mm. for those photos – 
instead of waiting for that and expecting that, I can do whatever I want now. Um, yes. Yeah. Like I haven't shaken the insecurities of being a fat person because we still live in the same world. But I also mm-hmm. don't deal with the overwhelming sense of self-disappointment when I don't magically lose 50 pounds in two months for the 20th year in a row. Like, <laughs> what? That was rough. Instead, I can joyfully like process emotions. I can be empathetic or I can be sad and, it, and I can really feel that based on everything outside of my body and um, mm. this weird like cycle that I've set up for myself. Yeah, it's, it's really freeing. Yeah, I feel that too. And you know, something that we've talked about a lot, you and I, is like the mental energy and like literal time wasted in diet and weight loss attempts that are doomed to fail, there is like that freedom in taking back time and energy uh, and using it for more fulfilling and sustainable pursuits. Mm -hmm. I'm like a little bit of a busy bitch and kind of accomplished. (laughs) And I would would say that like part of my quote unquote secret to getting shit done is just like not logging calories into an app or spending more mental time than necessary worrying about what I eat or like minor changes in my body. Do you think you could write like your version of The Secret? I never read The Secret, so I don't know what it's really about. Maybe it's about this. I don't <laughs> think it is, but I feel like you should do Cat's Secret. <laughs> and it's truly like, don't oh my use God. my fitness pal. That's all it'll say. <laughs> it's just one page. <laughs> I love that. No, The Secret, the book The Secret is about like um, manifesting and it's like very sexy, and but it also is like very dangerous because on the one hand, I mean, it's a whole other conversation, but on the one hand, I really like a some of the ideas of manifesting make just sense to me and on the other hand it's like that meme that says is it privilege or was she born with privilege (laughs) that's exactly it right so like people conflate like like your privilege with just like wishing something to happen so I guess there's just like that's very complex but man I would write a book about my secrets to success not counting calories as number one but I don't think it'd be like the secret book (laughs) I'd buy I'd buy your secret book just so you know I'd not going to buy the other one but um yeah don't do that yeah (laughs) all right so like I guess we should get back to the conversation and I know it's kind of weird you know (laughs) maybe it's time uh it's like a weird flex right now to mention economics but I will say us spending all this time thinking and dreaming about a body that isn't the one we currently inhabit like it's an opportunity cost why would I spend my time waiting or holding Mm. back when I could just be living I'm not going to fritter away my opportunities, y'all. Also, shout out to Planet Money. You're making me smarter. Thanks. <laughs> I love yeah. your weird flexes, Planet, Planet Money economics. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but I also think an extension of this, like, and something that's gained from that freedom is the ability to show up fully for myself and my life. You know, like, I'm not distracted with calorie counting or docile or weak from, like, literally not nourishing myself. I'm here and present to fight the good fight. Yes, and I'm fortunate enough to be here with you. We have energy to be active participants in making the world a better place. I Like, more energy than we would if we were dieting or working to not be fat by any means necessary. Exactly. And another connection here, I will also say like this is something that does feel like more of a work in progress type thing for me. But being fat has allowed me to make a shift to a world where movement and eating is able to be connected to joy and feeling good, like just by itself. Uh, Because for so many of us eating and I would say like exercise especially is so closely connected to attempts to change our bodies. 
I think the goal is to like totally disconnect them, which like I said, is still a bit of a process for me, but even making that shift, like I don't even know if I would be here for that or ready for that or even thinking about that if I wasn't fat. Mm, I agree with that from my own lived experience. Like it's, it's hard to see the harm in something if you don't experience the bulk of it. Not that you can't, it just is more difficult. So like right. an example, as a fat person, I go into a gym and I've gotten looks that seem to ask, like, what are you doing here? Maybe I'm perceiving that. Maybe it really happened. I guess I didn't ask anybody. I'm not confrontational like that. Um, but it's hard <laughs> when you go in there and you get that judgment or perceived judgment. Uh, but, like, all of society is telling you that you should be working out at all times. And so it's like, well, what is the truth? <laughs> what should I be doing? So then I, like, pause it. Like, how about I just move my body because it feels good sometimes and, like, sometimes it doesn't. Like, why can't I just – derive joy from something and and not use it as a prescriptive tool just because other people use it that way. That's where I'm at with it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kat. We got to a really good part in our discussion as well. It's time to go deep, my friend. Can we talk about mm-hmm. our childhoods? Okay. Yes, we can. And especially because when we were talking about this earlier, like you sharing about your childhood made me have some aha moments about mine. So I'm excited we're going here. Okay. Dr. Bogani is listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a Frasier reference and I, I don't watch Frasier. We've two Frasier references in this episode so far and I would could not be happier. <laughs> I'm an enabler and I am not a doctor. I just want to be very clear about that. <laughs> don't get it confused. Okay. I would say that being fat as a child saved me from a lot of stuff, okay? Uh, Like what? What could you possibly say at this point? Well, I was already different than everyone else, so Mm -hmm. I think I kind of went towards this mindset of why try so hard to join them when I'm not? I'm just not going to. Like my parents weren't going to buy me any outfits from Delia's, but I also couldn't fit into anything from there, so did I feel like I was missing out? Not really. I just kept it pushing with my Target performance fleece. Oh, I am just picturing little 11-year-old Saraya <laughs> in like her purple performance fleece. Oh, how did you know it was a purple vest? How did you know that? <laughs> I love it. Maybe I, you showed me a bunch of pictures like when oh. you were moving. I Like I wonder if I had this like subconscious, you know what I mean? Like incepted. I just am picturing you as a child. But I incepted the I just fleece feel like. <laughs> I can't. Oh, so other than that vest, another way that being fat saved me is that I was oblivious to the dramatic and romantic entanglements in middle and high school. And like looking back at it, thank goodness I got out from a lot of peer pressure and I was able to pursue things I was genuinely interested in. And I think it's part to being fat. Or do in part to being mm-hmm. fat, right? Like, I was already going to stand out, as I shared earlier, but as a non-white fat girl. So, like, why not stand out for things I like instead of trying to measure up to people I would never look or feel like? I love that. And, like, that standing out piece also, I feel like that's part of maybe what was going on for me. When I was – okay. When I was in high school, I was very weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I – for whatever you're going to say. <laughs> So, like, I think you've probably seen pictures of it. Like, I was just very weird, especially, like, my sense of style. So we're talking, like, mixing wild thrift shop, like, patterned, I don't know, repurposed moo-moos. So, like, that I would pair with, like, jeans that I painted. And I had, like, this very short, spiky haircut that I often cut myself. I just was, you know, it was a look. Um, But 
I wonder, like, in looking back, if a big part of what that was all about was me recognizing that I was going to stick out anyway. And so I just kind of really leaned into it. Oh, my gosh. Sheryl Sandberg, eat your heart out. Also, <laughs> didn't read that book. Well, so like, <laughs> yeah, no, nope. let me tell him myself. I read the discourse about it, right. but I didn't read that book. <laughs> Um, but also I will say too, like, if I'm being honest, you know, this might have been like my like adolescent version of, you know, like when people make self-deprecating jokes about themselves first before others have the chance. I wonder if there is maybe an element of like, oh, well, if you're going to make me stick out because I'm different, great. Let me just really stick out for a lot of reasons that I can control. Um, I don't know. So that was my little aha moment. But I think however this went down or whatever motivated it, like it really worked out for me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like adolescence is a lot about lacking control. And it's it's kind of interesting that we both decided to just like step out mm-hmm. of other people's expectations. And as much as I stood out for the things I did in high school, I think fatness also generated some anonymity. Like we're talking about how much we stood out, but I think there's a level of being overlooked as a fat person. And it's my personal belief that that can also allow for a certain level of safety. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's weird how it's like, it's both, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're both like hyper visible and also like kind of invisible. Um, But in terms of safety, yeah, I think I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, like as a woman, I've internalized the belief that I'm not safe going through the world, but being fat, well, like not ignoring that it brings its own sort of external and internal violence to the table. I do think it also allows for some different freedoms and like like Kat's saying, it's it's complex. Maybe you're thinking like, what are they even talking about? Just knowing <laughs> how fatness is treated in this society. But like, right. okay, I could be walking down the street and not get the same sexual harassment that another person does and like would say in, p- in part it's due to my fatness because that's a lived experience I've had. Um, also, like people are just going to be trash. So I get that it's not only excluded to my fatness or exclusive to my fatness. Um, But I also think that I take up more space. And so that may indicate to someone that I am not to be messed with. And I mean, it's complicated, but I also don't feel as objectified as other women, which I mean, has had its own grieving process. Uh, But that has saved me from a lot of other heartbreak and worry in life. I feel so much of that. Like I've always I don't know, experienced like a sense of safety in having a larger body and like not to reduce it to, you know, people say like fat people are harder to kidnap, which (laughs) I roll. Um, But I always have felt just like a little safer knowing that someone would have to work a little bit harder to physically overpower me. And perhaps this is all in my head, but I certainly do have at least like some level of a don't fuck with me vibe because generally people don't. And like, so whether this this is a false sense of security or not, I do think that like living in a larger body helps me embody that don't fuck with me vibe. Mm-hmm. I've definitely felt that. And also recognize that being fat, while we we feel it does have its own brand of superpower, doesn't preclude us from violence or other harmful factors. Like fat people are harmed. But if you've been paying attention, we're talking about the good stuff in this episode, y'all. Yes. And as we're coming to the end of this robust list 
skeptical. No. I'd be remiss to not mention one of the most positive ways my life has been impacted by being fat, which is like my literal job and business. Yes. So being a plus size consumer allowed me to understand firsthand the gaps in the market and then create a business to meet those fat needs. And through my business, you know, connecting with other fat people about everything, but with sort of fashion as a way into those conversations has just been... I mean, I cannot like overstate how much of a gift it is. It's just been incredible. Yeah. I would say uh, tangentially to that, my life is so much better for having this podcast. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's generated so much uh, like our friendship is stronger because of it, but I have come to know other Mm -hmm. people better because of it and really have seen a tangible community out of this. And yeah. When we embarked upon this project, I truly didn't know what to expect. I expected vitriol because, you know, you talk about yeah. fatness. What do you hear in the world? Like violence, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I've had amazing conversations with rad, insightful people. We've been able to travel to new places. And honestly, I've experienced a level of fun and comfort in the world that I hadn't before and I wouldn't have if I wasn't fat. Oh, agree, agree, agree. All of that great matter of fat stuff. You know, if I wasn't fat, I wouldn't have a podcast called Matter of Fat. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, truly, and all of these beautiful moments we've had over the last, you know, two and a half years wouldn't be part of my world. Uh, so what about you, the listener at home or wherever you are? Everyone out there <laughs> listening to us or reading our transcripts. Right. <laughs> We hope this mini-sode can help you consider how fatness has made your life better. So there you have it, the expose on why being fat has made our lives better. A listicle. God, gosh darn it, sure, a listicle. <laughs> why not? Oh, but do you want an actual listicle? I'll give you a listicle. Oh, no. Top 10 reasons <laughs> to visit www.matteroffatpod.com. One, transcript. Oh my God. Two, episodes. Three, RSVP to our no. podlucks. Four, show notes. No, you've got Okay, enough. <laughs> enough. I've indulged this enough. Let it go on for far too long. Okay. If you'd be so kind, please subscribe to Matter of Fat on whatever platform you get your podcast. I cannot believe you just did a list <laughs> Tune in next time for another episode of Matter of Fat. Now you have friends in the podcast business, matter of fact, in the Twin Cities at the crossroads of fat liberation and body positivity, open on any podcast app and releasing every Wednesday, every other Wednesday online at matteroffatpod.com. Oh my God, that was so good. That's my Tom Shane. That's my Tom Shane. I had a, I had a. Now you have friends in the podcast business, matter of fact. (laughs) In the Twin Cities at the crossroads of fat liberation and body positivity. Open in any podcast app and releasing every other Wednesday online at matteroffatpod.com. Yours is way better than mine. No, no, no. Yours is really good. Yours is really good. Yours is so good. I also like shouted at the beginning of yours. So I'm so sorry. It was just so funny. You did really well. Now you have friends in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now you have friends in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>